Welcome to Girls Are the New Boys, a podcast for girls like me and the boys who date them. I'm your host, Abby, and I'll make you feel things. Before we get into this, we have to share the story of how we met because I feel Oh, like you can share that because that's about your. <laughs> it's about how Evan is a homewrecker, basically. So <laughs> you met from a mutual friend, Chris. Shout out to Chris. Uh, I needed, is it a Wacom or Wacom? How do you pronounce it? Wacom tablet. Wacom tablet, because I had aspirations of being a fashion designer and I needed it for like design and stuff. Uh, And she's like, oh, my homie might be able to get you a discount because the homie used to work at Apple, which we will also talk about. And she coordinated, very generously gave me a discount. And my boyfriend at the time was like, oh, what did you have to do? We were already having some issues, mind you. And I was like, what do you mean? What did I have to do? I had to send him money. Uh, And he was like, and that's it. He's like, you just think that, you know, I was like, yes, that's it. We've never even met. And so that was pretty much the straw that broke the camel's back and we broke up and Evan is a homewrecker. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to to seal the deal on that one. (laughs) The relationship didn't last, but the friendship did. There you go. So speaking, I know. So speaking of, I mentioned how you worked at Apple. What did yes. you do at Apple and how did you transition? Like what, what made you be like, I don't want to work for Apple no more. I want to be my own boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was doing adapt the clothing company that I do while I was at Apple. So basically I started adapting college and then mm-hmm. I worked for a year at CNET after college, which is a website that focuses on tech reviews and stuff like that. And then after that I went to Apple. So I was basically doing Apple full time. And then when I would come home, I would do adapt, you know, deep into the night, pretty much, pretty much every day, because I wanted to have that steady income, which kind of financed adapt. Mm -hmm. And so I basically worked tandem. And then eventually, when I was almost six years in, I was able to completely separate from from Apple and just do it completely full time. So six years in Apple or six years in adapt, six, six years at Apple, it was probably like at that point, maybe nine, 10 years at adapt. And then, um, yeah, I was able to, so, so I'd actually went part time at Apple at that point. So I was working only two and a half days there, but it just became, even that was became too much. And so I was like, Hey, I just need to completely detach and just do my own thing. So that was the, the big transition period. How did you get into adapt to even begin with? Yeah. So, I mean, it was something I wanted to do since high school. So I would sketch out clothing in my physics class and I was like, Hey, you know, this is, this is really cool. I want to make clothes. I had, I was one of these kids that just went to the mall every week, just buying the newest stuff. Um, and I really just wanted to make clothing. I just thought it was cool. And uh, Mr. Rags, of course, Mr. Rags. (laughs) Um, yeah, I was just, clothing was just super big for me. And so I knew I wanted to, um, to do that. So I basically just set out from college on, that was my plan. And I kind of, uh, so I went to UC Davis, figured out that I, so, so I was in the fashion program and then I realized that that I'm actually terrible at fashion, (laughs) meaning like pattern making, sewing, all of the trappings of regular clothing production. So I actually ended up going to graphic design, which is basically the, you know, Photoshop, the illustrator, that kind of stuff. So in essence, I'm a graphic designer, but I just happen to be working within the fashion space, you know, as it pertains to graphic tees and hoodies and hats and things like that. So 
it's since grown. You know, we have a lot of different accessories and bags and all kinds of things. Hoodies. But hoodies, exactly. So it's um, it's really I'm I'm really just a graphic designer, but I'm in the world of fashion. So got it. So going back to how you transitioned out of Apple, were you scared at all? Like, what were your concerns about leaving this? I guess, you know, steady income working for a well-known company benefits. I mean, was that all at all an issue? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was tough, <laughs> like obviously. So, I mean, I worked there for six years mm -hmm. and the whole time it's like the brand is slowly growing, growing. But of course, I mean, that was at the top of my mind was I'm not going to have benefits. I'm not going to get stock. I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to have my coworkers, all of the, the elements of working for a big corporation that are, that are good. Um, and so I was, it took a lot of thought and it was really, you know, the transition was going to part-time, which my, thankfully my manager was very open to and very, you know, he knew what I was doing on the side. So he was very willing to help me with that process. But, um, it just became literally like a financial thing. So I would just make way more money with the hours that I spent doing that and the time dedicated to Apple, just the math wasn't working out anymore. So I, I just had to separate so that I could fulfill my obligations for the brand and really allow it to be able to grow um, to its full potential. And why, I think you told me the story before, but for those that don't know, why did you pick the name Adapt? So the original logo was these kind of triangle shapes that- I don't think I've seen that. They, they kind of look like the old, you know, like the play button on like a remote. Uh -huh. It's like that D looking triangle shape. So basically, an abstracted, like I think of like a capital A, capital D, capital A, it's kind of like triangular-ish, oh, okay. mm -hmm. but not really, but kind of. But um, so the logo is made out of those shapes. And so, because that was the only word I could spell using those particular <laughs> shapes. It's like, oh, that, that sounds cool, you know, it's simple. Uh -huh. But it's really become pretty meaningful because uh, just the word adapt is very general. It has to do with, you know, changing and improving and adjusting to your environment. I'm really glad that I kind of randomly fell on that name because yeah it's become pretty um, integral to what we do. I feel like especially during the panorama, right? Like, yeah. I feel like it's a very, it's one of the, the biggest words to describe, I guess, like 2020. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and since then, like you said, it's grown. You've done so many collaborations. Like, I don't think you can see, you can't see them on screen, but you have a photo of a few of them on your wall behind you. Do you have any favorite collabs that you did? Ooh. Is it like picking your favorite child? I like the clouds that we've done with True, which is a store out here in San Francisco. They're one of the main, you know, I used to go there since I was a little kid. Uh, one of the major streetwear stores out here. They kind of really were representative of streetwear in, in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. Fortunately, you know, they were one of the first accounts that we had that actually carried our, our clothes. We've done probably like six or seven different shirts with them over the years. So it's, uh, they've been really fun to work with. But I mean, I love all the clouds we do because they're either with friends or people that we, we respect um, or both, of course, or just different entities that, you know, are representative of the Bay Area and things like that. So, yeah, we've had a lot of fun ones over the year. I mean, it's been almost 18 years, so we've probably, I mean, at least over 100 collabs probably. I mean, there, there's been a lot, so. Oh my God, is it back 18 years old? It's almost 18, yeah. You can smoke cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh. Is there, I know you do especially now kind of venture off into other shirts that don't have just, you know, mm -hmm. um, sports teams, but 
I feel like for me, at least from outside looking in, it's safe to say that it's definitely, definitely has like a, a concentration in, in sports. Was there a specific reason um, that made you kind of want to stick with that? No, that's a good question. I think, uh, so I love sports, the sports, you know, our, our, our local teams in general. But aside from that, I love the graphical elements of sports teams. Mm -hmm. So I've always liked, you know, looking at the logos and looking at the colors and looking at just the whole aesthetic for the, for the stuff, which a lot of people, you know, they don't necessarily think about or it's not mm -hmm. as big of a deal. But I, I really focus on those things because I'm a visual person. So yeah. I always kind of felt like that's an untapped sort of playground to play with and you know I, I like to flip logos and do little mm -hmm. word plays and things like that so it was just this whole arena that was really interesting to me ever since i was a kid and so to be able to do that and put it on a shirt or, or whatever was it was just like this this kind of interesting concept i wanted to play with and it just kind of took on legs of its own and became a really big part of the brand you know i didn't i probably didn't start out to say hey this brand is going to be based on sports related stuff mm -hmm. it's just that was kind of you know a lot of what we do with the brand is taking nostalgic elements from my youth it could be pop culture it could be music it could be fashion whatever but um that's just one component but that mm -hmm. component really took hold and so you know people people wanted more of that so i, I tried to focus on that as, as well as running in tandem with all the other stuff that we do yeah you brought up your childhood. Did your parents at all have any concern when you were like, I quit my job? Or did, <laughs> yeah. you, did it even matter? Or like, was it something you consulted with them? How did they feel about yeah, that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, so what I like to say is they have been, they're always supportive of me, but they didn't necessarily encourage yeah. <laughs> the clothing because, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's less of a traditional path. Yeah. It's a little bit sketchier. So while they would have you know been fine with whatever i chose to do i think they would you know in, in the beginning at least they wanted to see me having like a stable job with maybe like a tech company or some mm -hmm. type of which large conglomerate which which i did right yeah. and so i think when i did break off 100 percent to do adapt at that point it was clearly a thing so it was much easier probably for them to you know be like hey okay he's he's got it got it handled um the fact that I would leave Apple to do that, right, means yeah. that there's something there. Uh, and then now I just popped up in my head because you're talking about family. For some reason, I can't talk about Adapt. And I, I think, like, your closest friends probably can't think of Adapt without thinking of your, like, number one employee slash, I feel like she's also, like, the CEO of Adapt, your Auntie Carol. Oh, my Auntie Carol. How yeah, you, shout who, out to Auntie Carol. Who is Auntie a Carol of, and so, why is she such a fixture in Adapt? Yeah, yeah. If people... Um, <laughs> People that have shopped on our website or been to our store, they've probably seen Auntie Carol or interacted with her in some way. She's the nicest, literally the nicest human being yeah. on earth, objectively speaking, like not just because she's my aunt, but yeah. um, I, I can confirm this. She's, she's amazing. And she, yeah, she's our warehouse manager. So she's in San Leandro every day at our warehouse, shipping orders, doing customer service, uh, you know, opening up and processing new orders that come in. So she's really the the mean potatoes of the brand like yeah. she makes the gears move so um and we've she's been with me probably a little over 10 years now or, oh. or maybe a little longer but um yeah she just you know she was available to help me i needed help at the time mm -hmm. with the shipping and fulfillment and 
she just she's never left and i'm you know i'll be i'll be sad like i i always tell her like whenever you're done and you're tired <laughs> you want to leave you go like i'll be sad but mm -hmm. i don't want to feel i don't want you to feel obligated to, you need to keep working with me so one of my favorite shirts um probably because it's giants oriented and because i am a huge giants fan and that because i have like four three or four of them is the sf or the state of mind shirt the sf state of mind how yeah and and because you do have more than one like version of them now you did like across multiple sports teams for the bay area yep. where did that come from where was the inspiration for that and what happened to the pigeon the sf state of mind design is based okay. upon so i remember i'm out in the sunset now in san francisco before that, I was in Oakland. Before that, I was in Richmond District in San Francisco. So I remember I distinctly, remember yeah. So distinctly, laying in my bed one night in that apartment. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Where is this going?" <laughs> the so so you know, Nas, New York State of Mind, classic mm -hmm. classic song, um, was in my head, and I was, and it was just that thought, "Oh, SF State of Mind." Mm -hmm. And then the idea behind the graphic is it says State of Mind, and the letter play is the S and the F form of the SF. I can definitely attest to the fact that you're one of the first brands that I've seen to do that kind of letter play or and word play and pun play, um, especially regarding kind of various sports teams. Um, I have seen a few bootlegs on some corners. Like how, how, do you, how do you deal with that? How do you feel about that? Are you, is it kind of like, look, mama, we've made it. People are copying us. Does it piss you off? Is it? You know, it's, or are you on some like, you know, what is it? What's the term like um, the biggest form of flattery is imitation? Or yeah, I totally yeah. fucked up that that quote, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. How, imitation how you... is the biggest form of flattery. There you go. Yeah. yeah, totally fucked it up. But so no, so <laughs> that's absolutely like people say that pretty often. I my relationship with the bootlegs is that so we the nature of our graphics, they're very simple, mm -hmm. you know, not very many colors, pretty, you know, pretty reproducible. So yeah. A lot of our, if not all of our popular graphics do get bootlegged to some extent. The local ones, certainly you'll see them like, you know, across the walkway at the Oakland Coliseum or you'll see them on the corners near, you know, Oracle Park and stuff. So over the years, I've seen literally hundreds of, of bootlegs of our stuff. And, you know, in the beginning, it's very angering and frustrating. It's like, hey, you know, you're literally stealing from me. Like you're taking money out of my pocket, right? So, mm -hmm. and then it's kind of like over time, I get desensitized. I kind mm -hmm. of, it's like, dude, these people are just hustling. They're trying to make yeah. money. I mean, they don't know who I am. They don't care. If they see a design that's popular, they're just gonna copy it. So, you know, it, we, we certainly have to defend our trademarks and things. And so I've, you know, I've sent many cease and desist. I've received many cease and desist. So it's, you know, it, it goes both ways, but it's, um. It's something that you just kind of live with if you're in this industry. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of companies face things like this. It's uh, it's something that you just kind of accept over time. But yeah, yeah at, at first I, I would get pretty <laughs> heated about it. Um, and there were some large profile companies, you know, that would knock us off that were like, mm -hmm. "What are you guys doing?" Like, we're you know, it's just crazy. Does that piss you off more than when it's oh, like a little? Yeah, for sure, because you know, it's like when a big company does it, right? It's like the average consumer may not know who we are. So when they see their version, if they see that first, yeah. and then they see ours, it's like, okay, well, adopt, copy them. Yeah. Because nobody really knows where it came from. So, you know, thankfully we get a lot of support. So, you know, when we call them out, you know, put them on blast on social media or whatever, like our 
our fans and our customers will, you know, hit up the comments and, and let them know. And that's actually, they've actually had to take down some different stuff in the past. So, you know, thankfully people represent for us when they know that something's been done that's an injustice. I can also assume that like social media has like changed the game a little bit. Yeah. For Adapt, yeah? Yeah, I mean, when we started, it was all MySpace. It was MySpace oh my and God. forums all day. Holy shit. It's like we'd post, hey, you know, I got a new spring collection on some, you know, Hypebeast forum mm -hmm. or some underground hip hop forum. And now, you know, of course you have Instagram, you have, you have Snapchat, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have, you know, Clubhouse and everything. So, mm -hmm. so whether, whether bootleggers or um, just like, you know, fans of Adapt that have been supporting you, it's safe to say, I feel like your brand has, you know, impacted a lot of, of people's lives, even if it's just like on a, you know, surface level of how they represent at a game or I was looking over there at some letters on your wall. Are those from actual pe like people that have shopped here that yeah. have bought stuff? Like, do you have a favorite uh, interaction or letter or anything from, I don't wanna say like a fan of Adapt or a client, that sounds like super, I don't know, it sounds weird, but just, you know, someone that has shopped at Adapt or that you've interacted because of the brand? Do you have like a favorite story or is there something that kind of like pops to mind when you think, oh, I would not have met you had I not, or had this interaction had I not had this brand? We have a lot, we have a good amount of customers that are like super fans. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been with us for 10 plus years. They buy like everything we put out. And it's, to me, that's just crazy because mm -hmm. You know they're they're keeping us going you know like they're literally supporting the brand and letting me do what i do which is amazing so you know whenever we get letters or little note, personal notes i like to save them because it's pretty meaningful you know as a as a business owner it's like it's it's really nice to see that support but um we've received yeah we've definitely had some pretty meaningful customers over the years we've had a few that have been going through cancer which is you know that's a personal story of mine mm -hmm. as well and we were able to do like shirts or different collaborations with them to raise money or, or whatever for the particular cause. And so those have been really meaningful. We had, there was one that was really crazy, um, where a grandmother actually emailed me and was telling me about her son who, Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. Yeah, this is a heavy <laughs> one. And it's weird. Cause I, so after I tried to follow up and like, I never heard back and it was like, but she, I guess her, her grandson had taken his own life yeah. and she wrote this long letter basically describing what Adapt meant to him. Like it was a big part of oh, his wow. life apparently. And she sent all these pictures where he's wearing the clothes. And, you know, I didn't recognize his name from the orders, but he obviously had ordered quite a few times. She was just basically saying how important it was to him. And the fact yeah. that the grandmother is, is emailing is like wow it must have really been somewhat significant to him because how would the grandmother even know yeah. you know about a random clothing brand so mm -hmm. um obviously he spoke about it or, or whatever but um it was a really touching note and and obviously you know sad as well but mm -hmm. you know i followed up and I, and I never and she never responded or anything but that was a pretty crazy one every time i get something like that i super appreciate it because Someone's like taking time out of their day, out of their life mm -hmm. to tell us something that they don't even need to tell us that we would never know otherwise. Yeah. You know? So I'm definitely appreciative of all of that stuff. Um, I don't want to delve too much into can the, the cancer part, but I do want to ask, like, how did that change 
um, one, your perspective on life in general, and then how did it change kind of like the way that you navigated like uh, the, the brand and like did it impact it at all, like the, your thoughts on it? Yeah, so, you know, just to give uh, an idea of what's of, in, in my life in relation to cancer, I, so in 2016, in January, I was diagnosed with leukemia, which is a type of blood cancer. And basically, you know, over the course of, it was a, a five-year process. So it was only recently that I was completely, quote, cured of it. But, you know, the first, it was really the first year that was the heavy treatment. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, I, yeah, so it was obviously a huge impact on the brand and on my life. So I was taking all these medications for the, essentially for the first year. And, you know, I actually just sent an email to my customers and said, hey, you know, I got cancer. <laughs> so uh, TikTok. <laughs> if, if you see, like, you know, we're not putting out as much clothes as we used to put out. We're not sending as many emails. We're not doing as many promotions and collaborations and stuff. So um, just to let people know, because we were kind of operating on a lower level. And uh, it was really, you know, back to the customers, you know, it was... Mm -hmm got a lot of notes from people with personal stories and a lot of words of encouragement and that was awesome because the great thing about adapt in the brand is it's very like tied to me like it's pretty much an extension of myself so mm -hmm. you know most brands you can't really interact with the owners or the the main people of the brand like on that level so to be able to be able to do that is really cool and just literally like converse with my customers in that way um so you know a lot of words of encouragement and stuff so that was really good and then we did a few different shirts that where we would donate the proceeds to you know cancer causes and things so that was kind of my way of uh integrating it into the brand and actually making something positive out of the situation and then as it pertains to uh you know how it affected me and stuff it 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 definitely gave me a lot of perspective about life. You know, don't worry about the little things. Mm -hmm. Everything, you know, is not a big deal. The stuff that would bother me before probably wouldn't bother me as much anymore. Yeah. And yeah, so, so I would say probably in the end it was a net positive, even though it was a long process, it was yeah. painful, it was, you know, it was everything not good, but then yeah. there was a lot of good that did come out of it too, so. For sure. If you were not doing ADAPT, what would you want to do if you if you can do anything? I mean, be realistic, but yeah, yeah. Have you ever? Great question. Is it even a thought? <laughs> Separate of designing, mm -hmm. I would love to do music production. So uh, that's a big part of my life. I've when I was in college, I, I would always play with these different programs, like this program called Reason, this program called SoundForge, and and basically like beat making and stuff like that. So if I was not doing clothing, I would be doing music. That's probably part two if I if mm -hmm. I move on beyond clothing. And then separate of that is writing. So I like to write. We both love to write, mm -hmm. as we know, but uh, would like to do some writing as well. So it's all kind of creative stuff. Yeah. But yeah, music I, and writing would be I would too. love to see you in a, in a grimy studio at like 2 a.m. with a bunch of thugged out rappers. I would love that it. That are smoking yeah. weed and like sipping from red cups. It's going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter <laughs> of time. So... <laughs> Who would, who, so you, you worked with a lot of people already. We see, again, you can't see on as well, but we have E40, we got Cap. Who is someone that you have not worked with yet that you would love to work with um, on an adapt level? And then let's just, let's just pretend like you're already this, this producer. 
who would you like to collab Ooh. with on a producer level? The collab one would be this guy named Aliasha. So he is he and is a design. So he's a he's a fashion designer. He's one of the main reasons I got into clothing. He did a bunch of brands back in the day. He was part of Fat Farm. He was part of Mecca, Drawers, all these OG skate urban brands. If you're under 30 years old, you have no idea what they are. And I then just he, made it. Yeah, exactly. And then and then he did a brand called Alphanumeric, which is a brand that I absolutely love. I'm a big collector, and hopefully we can work together one of these days um, on on a on a design project. So he would probably be the number one. And then as it pertains to music, I really like this dude Hobson. He is a kind of a, you could call him like an independent rapper, underground rapper. He's kind of like on the fringe, but is has a really strong following. Or... No, he's, I'm not sure actually where he's based out of, but he, it's weird. There's a weird like connection to him because back when I worked at CNET, there was, so they own this company called mp3.com and I worked for mp3.com too and basically he won this like rap contest way back then mm -hmm. and he popped up later and, and we actually ended up doing some collabs with his label and we did like a photo shoot and stuff here so i we've actually interacted with him before but it would be cool to uh maybe do some beats for him and you kind of talked about it before with the writing thing i was going to bring it up I, th I think a lot of you don't know evan is like one of the nerdiest cool people i know it's really weird because he's like He's really cool, but he's also like really, really nerdy. And if you're friends on Facebook, you will see from his Facebook post with like all the writing and stuff. And one thing that we share in common is our love of something that a lot of people consider nerdy, which is Jeopardy. And just for my own selfish reasons, because I love Jeopardy. How did that happen? This is totally like not related to Adapt, or maybe it is, I don't know. But where, where does that love of Jeopardy come from? The love of Jeff. Okay, so I love Alex Trebek, RIP. He's the GOAT, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really just trivia. So, like, I like trivia. I like random facts. You know, on, on Instagram, I'll post these stupid little trivia, multiple choice questions. Which I answer all the time. And or try to answer. You, you often get them right, which is great. But, um, and, like, so it's just, I don't know. Trivia is fun, I think. I just like mm -hmm. learning random factoids about things. Got it. And since we are now talking kind of more away from adapting on, on a personal level, like Jeopardy, this is one question that I've always wanted to ask you. Have any girls ever tried to be like, oh, hey, you know, like on some like, oh, it's the, the, the owner of Adapt. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Um, <laughs> or can you, can you tell when someone's trying to get, let, let's leave the girl, we can do both. We can do it on the girl side or just in general. Can you tell when someone... I guess their intentions if they're trying to get to know you just to get to know you or if they're there's like something behind there like they want like a plug or something weird like that i asked this as i met you getting a wake up <laughs> tablet discount but yeah so let's see so there's a there's the people that want the plug mm -hmm. which is much more prevalent right so there's people who hey you know what's up blah 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 and then invariably the conversation will lead to something that they need or they want to talk to somebody else who I know or you know, they want some type of hookup or something. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But then it sounded like the first part of your question was kind of like a, from a dating or romantic yeah. standpoint. And that, there's definitely less of that. Okay. Um, but Not it certainly this. happened. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, it certainly happened. But, but the issue with that is that... Because you're a nerd. 
yeah, so I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's like, I don't know that I would necessarily be drawn to people. Like, if I felt like that was their intention, I probably wouldn't want to date them or I wouldn't. Sure. I felt like they would be kind of like not a great person per se. But, but you know, not that, not that there isn't any reason for that to be a bridge to us. But, you know, sometimes if I feel like it's just because they think it's cool or something, then I might not, you know, be drawn to that. But, um, you know, there's certainly... I, you know, also kind of like when, when Adopt was super, when we were at our like busiest point, I didn't go out. Like I didn't see anyone. I didn't, I wasn't really socially interacting with people. I was literally at my computer all day, every day. I didn't watch TV, didn't see movies, none of that. So it probably, like it may have been more noticeable to me if I was like out and about, you know, at that time. But I was really like nose to the grindstone, like on my own thing going on during that time. So. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, you did You did tell me about that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of dating, I like to end all of my podcasts with like a kind of speed, I call it a speed dating round, but it's like a rapid fire question round. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. All right. Just think off top. Try not to think too much about it. Is, is this the least dating related podcast that you've had so far? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, actually, the first. Maybe I'm just thinking more the the genre of the the blog yeah no this is definitely not i think the first or no the first one was all was about dating and then the next three were not at all they're actually out of my element because i have to be very ladylike and proper and ask like you know like some empowering questions instead of talking about dick and balls and stuff but we'll get to that uh so no the answer is no short answer the first rapid fire question which is your favorite sports team and why the san francisco giants okay Ever since I was a little kid, probably since, I don't know, eight or nine or something, because I love Will Clark. That's why. Will Clark played in the late 80s, early 90s. I thought he was the coolest guy ever. Like, he's in a, he was objectively a good-looking male. I'm perfectly comfortable saying that. Uh, <laughs> if I was female, I probably would want to date him. Um, uh-huh. And he just was cool. Like, he just had this swag. He mm-hmm. just kind of... He never looked like he was trying very hard. And he just kind of, like, he would, the way he would, like, chew on his gum or whatever his... Say, yeah. Whatever, probably chew. I mean, it was probably, yeah. like, tobacco or something. But it was just his whole persona. Like, I just thought he was the coolest guy, and, and he was good. We talked a little bit about how when, like, during the peak of of Adapt, um, about, like, how you kind of just didn't even have time to date. So what, because you were so heads down, um, right. everything, or what did you say, right. nose to the grind? Nose to the grindstone. Nose to the grindstone. Yeah. Such, such an evanism. It's a good one. Um, <laughs> that's going to be my next question for you. What What three characteristics would you say a woman needs to have to date someone, not even necessarily you specifically, but someone that is their own boss, that has their own company, that it, that will, you know, I guess it's, it's good and bad, right? Because you don't have to go into work because you can make up your own schedule, but at the same time, a, a lot of the times you, you tend to compensate and just really be more heads down than if you did go to a job where it's just nine to five and then you can leave it. So what three characteristics does someone need if they want to date you or someone like you? So advice in terms of dating like an entrepreneur or something, mm-hmm. I would say, let's see. So number one, be okay, you know, on your own time. Mm-hmm. So basically if that person has to, 
you know, whatever they're working on, like whatever their job may particularly be, it could be, they could be working for days on end or something, right, for example. So to be comfortable knowing that they're going to do, they might have to do their own thing for a while mm -hmm. and you should, you know, be able to preoccupy yourself during that period. Also, I think being will, being open to financial volatility, for example, you know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people feel like, you know, I want to be with someone who, you know, has a steady income, can provide for a potential family, you know, that's going to be consistent and depending on what they do, right? I mean, if they run a restaurant or, or something that, you know, especially during COVID or, or whatever, right, you know, anything can really happen. So I think that you have to be open to that potential for financial volatility. I would say lastly, you know, maybe to be, maybe honestly, to be a little bit discerning and wary, you know, you don't, you don't know, make sure they have a business plan, make sure they know what they're doing. Like if you're going to invest yeah. in this person, not all ventures succeed. And so make sure that you feel like they really have a plan that they really have something that has a future, you know, just, just try to be realistic about what the goals are uh this wasn't one of the questions but since you brought it up if you were to have an only fans account what would your only fans account be <laughs> Ooh, i mean okay since apparently only fans is really for anything that people yeah. pay to watch i mean i would love to have talk about design or something right you know i could maybe have a video camera set up i'm designing and talking about this is how you come up with the graphic or whatever I mean, I'm assuming some amount of people would pay for that, but you would have to I don't know like that I can make a living off of it. in like a tub of jelly. Yeah, I guess. That, you does there have to be a sexual element to it? it I mean, can't it just like be? It. Okay. Yeah, it's not, maybe not so much like a, uh, like a, what is that? Masterclass or one of those yeah, or like tutorial a, I classes. I feel like, what is the other one? Patreon? Yeah, Patreon. Like that would more. be more on the, the professional. Like you wouldn't need a tub of yeah. jelly for that one. But that being okay. said, if I could have a successful OnlyFans, I absolutely would. As long as it's not, as long as it's not too, that too. I love jelly, you know, so. But only strawberry jelly. You know, you got to keep your options open. You know, this is 2021. Anything can happen, so. Um, the other question that I have is I actually wanted to ask you a Jeopardy question. And, and oh, wow. See, except, you know, I, like it. I can't, I can't find one. Let's see. In the early 1900s, the ra this railway linked the cities of Moscow and Irkutsk. Wow. So I have to be aware of a Russian railway from the 1900s. Let's see. You know, here, let me give you want. Let me give you. Is a, the answer anything that I would have ever possibly? Absolutely heard of? not. Is it completely random? Okay, then there's no. I'm gonna get that. What, okay, I'll give you four options. What is the Trans-Siberian Railway? What oh. is the Glacier Express? What is the Rocky Mountaineer? What is the Settle Carlisle Railway? Okay, so. I have a specific answer in mind, and the reason why is because there is a band called the Trans-Siberian Orchestra that's actually pretty cool. And since I, that's the only thing I've ever heard of from any of those answers, I'm going to go with the Trans-Siberian Railway. That's the one that I would pick because the other ones just sound weird. And that is the correct answer. Yes. Wow. So you're hired. All right. Built from, because I'm sure everyone wants to know this listening. Built from 1891 to 1916, the Trans-Siberian Railway is still the world's longest train route. I'm going to ask you one more question because okay. I like this. This is random, but although there are five different varieties of this vegetable, mm. you'll never find it in the freezer section. Okay, so this is, is this a logic-based question to where if I actually think about vegetables that are not in the freezer section, I can think of it? Or is it completely... 
I don't know. You know why? It doesn't give it doesn't give me. Oh, it doesn't give you the oh, answer. Give you the answer. Oh, okay. Like, so we're both like, guessing. Okay, yeah. so we're both guessing. All right, All right let's let me see. do that. Let's think of vegetables that are not in the freezer section. Here are the, the options. What is asparagus? What are bell peppers? What is lettuce? What are green beans? I'm going to say peppers. I'm going to say lettuce. But isn't lettuce in the refrigerated section? I mean, isn't freezer. it? Freezer. Oh, the freezer. What is the answer? Lettuce. Oh. Because of its composition of delicate cell walls, lettuce is the only vegetable that cannot be frozen. When lettuce is frozen, it causes damage to the cellular structure and creates a slimy, unusable mess. I didn't think it would get slimy. I just thought that it would like... Well, now you're on a roll. We got to do a third one because you got to go three for three. <laughs> Shit. I'm rooting for you right well, now. No, now I'm like getting anxiety. Okay. With roots in Ireland, this sort of ring is given to symbolize love, loyalty, and friendship. What is an engagement ring? What is a promise ring? What is a wedding band? What is the Clarach ring? <laughs> I'm going to go with the Clarach ring. Final answer. <laughs> because I... It sounds interesting. I want to say that just because I have no idea what that is. Against my better judgment, I'm going to agree with you. Although I feel like maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's a promise, right? Clock ring it is. Hey, Woo! okay. One more. You got to keep going until you it. miss one. No, no. I want to end on a high note. Featuring a pair of hands. Oh, that's what it is. It's featuring a pair of hands holding a heart wearing a crown. The cladic ring is a tradition that can be traced back to 1700s. Before marriage, the ring is to be worn on your right hand. The way the heart points is said to let others know if you are single or not. Well, I love the concept of that because I've always felt that in society, we need to have like wristbands, you know, <laughs> that designate the status and the preferences. The the other totally went on in the side, but the other question This should I just be a ask, Jeopardy show. I, I mean, know. Crazy. We'll do the, we should, that's what we should do. We should do a wasted Jeopardy episode. That's an incredibly good idea. Uh, so the other question is, we talked about some Evanisms. What is your favorite Evanism? Ooh. It doesn't have to be an original one, but what is your favorite thing where you would say, and I'd be like, what did you oh, say? Oh, oh. You can't put similar, me on the spot like that. Similar to Nose on the Grindstone. Nose on the Grindstone. Um... Boy. But one that would really make me like walk out of here. See, the problem is, is I have so many, but, but now I want to think of one that's like I know. specific to me. Cause then if somebody hears this, they're going to say like, oh, I've heard of that. That's nothing special, like you it. know? You, you have some gems. Oh boy. Uh, that's... give me some, give me some examples that I can go off of that I've said. I, I, you say a lot of things. I feel like I should just go on your, your Facebook and read. Yeah, you could do that. Random. I mean, I mean, I can tell you my philosophies on life that I think are important. They're not necessarily give me a, give me a philosophy on life, but not like okay, not this, like, a, this like is... a serious one, but like a not serious one. Well, I I in general believe that chocolate chip cookies typically have too many chocolate chips. Yes, I, I think that people don't realize. So, okay, here's the thing: a chocolate chip like... cookie. Uh -huh. Okay, think about the cookie mm -hmm. minus. The chips, mm -hmm. the cookie minus the chips. What is that cookie? It's not a sugar cookie. It's not a snickerdoodle. It is that thing. Cookie dough. Yeah, but but when do you see that like as a product that you can purchase? So what I'm saying is is that cookie needs a lot more respect. And the fact that I feel like the, the chips kind of overshadow the cookie. So I, I sometimes I get in arguments with, with people, but I do feel like chocolate chip cookies they're kind of overpowered by the, the chips sometimes and you should yeah. really appreciate the cookie for what it is. So that's one of my life do philosophies. You... 
The worst part is I agree with this, which is why I'm laughing. There you go. Do you do you think they should come out with a cookie that is just the cookie dough? But I, I feel like it can't be just the cookie dough then, because then it's too much of a good thing. I would still need a few chips. In oh there, no, absolutely. Less. So the perfect common. So for me, like between like three and five chips per cookie, I'm good. Because you're getting the sweet, you're getting the chocolate, but you're still biting into that delicious doughy cookie goodness. <laughs> so you're okay with a bite of the cookies not having a chip? Not I'd be, okay. I'd bite, be okay with just... that. Because there is a good amount of sugar in the cookie, so it's yes. not like you're not going to get your your sweetness or anything. By this time, I feel like everyone that's listening has already stopped listening. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is actually my real last question. Okay. What is the number one piece of advice you have for anyone that is attempting to start their own company, whether it is clothing um, or just anything, just basically trying to be their own boss? Great question. So so as it pertains to clothing, because that's usually what is related to me, but like I would always tell people that you, not that you shouldn't be confident in what you're doing, but you know, I took a conservative approach when I started my brand. You know, I worked for a company. I was getting paid while I was doing the brand. So it allowed me to have the capital to do what I wanted to do. So, and then as it pertained to when I was producing clothes, I learned quickly that you should be more, or it served me well to be more conservative in terms of the print runs. So for example, when you're starting out, you might have some friends around you. You're like, hey, you know, check out these designs that I made. What do you think? And your friends, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool. You should totally start this brand. You're going to kill it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like when you actually produce the clothes, not necessarily everyone that gassed you up at first will necessarily purchase the clothing item. You have to really be careful about uh, overproducing or being a little too overconfident until you really see what the market says about your clothing or whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, because you can always make more, right? So if you have the demand, you just produce more. Got it. And tell everyone, even though I'm sure everyone already knows, where they can find you on Instagram and your website and all that good stuff. Yeah, so at Adapt on Instagram, uh, adaptclothing.com. And those are pretty much the main places that we operate. You know, we're on Twitter and Facebook and stuff too. But yeah, uh, pretty much our website is where you can get most of the gear. So yeah, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun.